0: Hi! Ha, 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 ha. Learn more at Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council.
1: Wake up, everyone. Up. It's time for the Steve Noble Show, where biblical Christianity meets the everyday issues of life in your home, at work, and even in politics. Steve is an ordinary man who believes in an extraordinary God, and on his show, there's plenty of grace and lots of truth but no sacred cows. Call Steve now at 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Or check him out online at the thestevenobleshow.com. And now, here's your host, Steve Noble.
0: Welcome back. I hope you're doing well. This is Steve Noble. It is Theology Thursday with our friends at BJU Seminary. And uh, just a little side note, I will be on location tomorrow at Montreat College, which is out in Montreat and Black Mountain, North Carolina, out in the out in the mountains there. Just a beautiful area and uh, really interesting things going on at Montreat College. They have a big homeschool thing coming up in December. So I'm going to do actually three shows uh, out there uh, on location. But the first one will be tomorrow. So it'll just be radio tomorrow. So if you're Facebook Live Rumble, uh, you can go to the website, thestevenobleshow.com and get the links there to listen to the online audio. Or find a radio station near you, but I'll be on location tomorrow. So that's going on there. Tomorrow or next week, uh, we'll obviously be talking as much as we can about the situation in Israel. Uh, but I'll be on location again Monday and Tuesday at Shepherd's Church here in Raleigh. I did this last year. Uh, they do an outstanding two-day conference, a uh, Christian ethics conference. They did it last year. That's one that you might have listened when I had Erwin Lutzer on the show. And Scott Ray, who actually wrote the textbook that I use in my Christian ethics class. And so we're going to be there Monday, Tuesday next week. And uh, that'll be radio alone as well. So no Facebook or rumble on that. Uh, But Erwin Lutzer should be back in the house. So they're going to help line up the guests there. But there's a lot of firepower there for two days. So that'll be awesome. And and we will get to Israel. This story is going to be going on for a while. Please continue to be in prayer. And there's a lot to talk about, and, and that's going to be an unfolding thing that we're going to be talking about for, unfortunately, probably the next couple of months uh, and maybe even more. OK, so that's all coming up just to make you aware. Uh, side note, also, I've got a, a really, really important kind of towards the end of the year private house party fund party of uh, funding party, a, a, a fundraising party for the ministry tonight. So that's from 630 to 830. And I was sick over the weekend, as you know, and still haven't fully recovered in terms of energy level. I've been having a hard time sleeping the last couple of nights. So I've probably gotten, I don't know, nine hours of sleep in the last two nights. So I'm kind of at the end of my rope and and uh, God will do what he does. And, and I'm, I'll just throw myself in his hands. <laughs> and uh, but if you could pray for me and pray for us tonight, uh, that would be awesome. Uh, a topic today, very difficult. We touched on this briefly last time we had our buddy Sam Horn on. We've been working our way through James for over a year now uh, with Sam once a month. Uh, when you kind of get into the prayer of faith that will that will save the sick. So what do you do when prayer doesn't work? All right. And for a lot of you and, and for me and my family, this can be a very personal, very tup- touchy subject. When you love the Lord, you've been faithful, you cry out to him, you pray, you do all these things. And you're like, hey, hey, hey! It says right there, the prayer of faith will save the sick. How do you deal with that when it doesn't seem to work? Dr. Brian Han, our good friends down at BJU Seminary. Brian, sorry we couldn't get connected on Zoom, but it's great to have you on the show. How are you?
1: Thank you. I appreciate it, Steve. Good to be with you this afternoon.
0: Uh, you're very welcome. Thanks for being here, and we appreciate your time and and uh, your expertise. And and this is a very difficult subject, and. Uh, we talked about it a bit with Sam the last time he was on, and and you, it's an excellent paper that you wrote. Thanks for sending that over. The prayer of faith will save the sick. Uh, re- revisiting that, what does that mean in, in James five thirteen through eighteen? But uh, how do we begin to, um, to unpack? I think this is for most of us, Brian. This is a this is a pretty uncomfortable topic when you're starting to go. Okay, Lord, it says right here. However. And I think a lot of us have personal experience of this. So, so where do we start when it seems to, well, fail?
1: Well, Steve, I, th- I think you already introduced your audience to it really well, and that is setting it up just like James does with a, a clear expectation. He uh, talks in verse 13 about the fact that, you know, if any of you is feeling this way, if any of you is suffering, let him pray. Uh, If any of you is uh, feeling well, doing well, then let him sing sing psalms. And then he goes directly into this next one, if any of you is. And that's where we have to start actually Mm -hmm. getting into the text and paying attention to it really carefully, because I believe that it's at least a possibility that what's going on here in the text is not dealing with physical sickness at all
0: yeah and so we 're going to have to we 're going to have to do some work here from a hermeneutics perspective uh, and, and this is where we all need to advance in this particular arena don 't let the word hermeneutics scare you it 's just how do we properly interpret these passages and I often remind people Brian, uh, hey uh, when God was speaking through his uh, his people old testament new testament uh, they weren 't speaking english so we 're always going to have some Interpretive challenges here in terms of the original language versus our own. But th- this is really kind of at the crux of this one is is a proper understanding of what this is actually teaching us. Isn't that right?
1: Yes, it is. Uh, the word that's used here that's often translated sick um, appears in, now this is Hebrew, obviously is what the Old Testament was written in originally, uh, but then the Jews themselves translated into Greek um, sometime around 200, 250 BC, once they had gone into exile and returned and then Alexander had conquered the, the known world. Um, the Jews began speaking Greek, and uh, many of them in Egypt were then translating the scriptures from Hebrew into Greek. So that's that's what they're going to be reading in even the time of Jesus is mostly uh, what's called the Septuagint or the Greek Old Testament. And one of the things that lays the background for this is we have uh, most most Bible scholars believe that James was one of the earliest books written in mm-hmm. the New Testament probably around A.D. 45 to 48, somewhere around in there, and this is before even the earliest of the Gospels was physically recorded. Events of the Gospels had already happened, but the Gospels had not yet been written down. So if James is going to borrow terminology or or Greek words from anywhere, it's going to be from Old Testament usage, Mm -hmm. not from books that don't exist yet. And that's where we uh, run into some very interesting things. The word that he first uses here in verse 14, is any of you sick or is there anyone sick among you, is a a really common word that just means weak. Mm. And the kind of weakness that's in view in the Old Testament is very frequently spiritual weakness that we would call discouragement or despondency or even a, 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 a troubled faith.
0: Yeah, and so we'll have to. We're coming up on the first commercial break, Brian. So it's a little more challenging when we're just doing radio, but uh, we'll hit the break here in just a few seconds. But we'll, we'll pick that up there when we come back and say, okay, does it only mean if you're, you know, you're having a bad day, you're having a bad week, you're having a bad month, you're discouraged, you're kind of down. Can we pull physical health into it at all? And then we'll look at different interpretations. We have three different Protestant ones we'll look at. We have a Roman Catholic interpretation we look at. Uh, So we're going to do some work here for the rest of the hour, trying to come to a fuller understanding of what does this mean. How do we deal with sickness when our prayers don't seem to work? Brian, I'm going to put you on hold. This is Steve Noble, Theology Thursday. We'll be right back. Welcome back. It's Steve Noble, The Steve Noble Show, Theology Thursday with our friends at BJU Seminary. And even Zoom has to bow the knee every once in a while. So thank you, Lord, for getting that working. So we're back up and running with Dr. Brian Hand today, who's at BJU Seminary, as we're working through what can be a really difficult passage and a really disappointing passage. We're in James 5, starting in verse 13. We talked about this briefly before with our buddy Sam Horn, We're revisiting it and and digging into this deeper because what do you do when these types of prayers are not answered? It says, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Verse 14, is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord, which we'll talk about. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. All right. There it is. Verse 15. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. And I think we've all been down the road. I'm quite convinced we've all been down the same road where we prayed for healing. I have a friend on Facebook Live just was sharing uh, his sister uh, just her funeral on Monday. And they, of course, prayed for her healing. And and that didn't happen. Not in, in this life, not in that sense. So how do we deal with this? So we're working through this today. Brian, again, thanks so much Thank you. for being here. And, and we started to talk about uh, the Greek Septuagint. So the Old Testament for somebody like James uh, in AD 45 to 48 when he wrote this, when, when he's looking at the Old Testament, he's he's looking at it in Greek. And so then you got to get into the Greek language. And, and when you look at the word sick, you were saying that can also just imply weak in spirit, discouraged, kind of down, uh, not necessarily Physically sick, but does it exclude physical sickness?
1: No, there are of course, on occasions where this is going to apply to physical sickness, and this is I think why the church may have misinterpreted the passage over so many years. Once we grow into the gospels, we have this uh, immense number of illnesses that jesus mm-hmm. and, and the disciples are intersecting, and Jesus is healing the scriptures say every manner of sickness. Um, A number of passages, however, qualify that. They'll actually use our our same word here, every manner of weakness, and then they'll qualify it with diseases Mm. and with this problem and with that problem with demon possession, with uh, something they call moonstruck, which uh, they weren't even sure what that was, but we think it might have been epilepsy or something Mm. along those lines. So the early church began, look, reading James in light of the Gospels that were written later and assuming that. James is going to use terminology the same way that the Gospels do. And in the Gospels, very often this Greek word does mean sick or at least weakened physically.
0: Yeah, so we can't make a case because obviously not only Christ, but disciples Mm -hmm. were healing the sick. And so we can't cross it out. The question is, how do you process through? How do you you deal with the fact that it it doesn't always, quote unquote, work? And we have to be really careful with prayer when we talk about uh, it didn't work uh that that that's a that that's opening up a whole other uh, avenue which will travel some of this, but you mentioned that that's possible uh that we've misinterpreted in many ways so mm-hmm. i want i I'd love for you to walk us down uh three Protestant interpretations okay. and then one Roman Catholic interpretation, so we can kind of begin to get our minds around
1: it yeah sure so uh we're not alone in facing this problem very early on uh, the church as we moved into the Roman Church of the the middle ages, they recognized this is this is not working so Protestants are saying it's not working once uh, Protestants are in existence with the Reformation. Catholics are saying it's not working. We all agree. Uh, Roman Catholics began interpreting this then in light of, and it's this old designation. This is old terminology. They used to call it extreme unction. So that when a person is sick, we need to call for a priest who's going to literally anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord and the kind of healing that the person is going to undergo is a a spiritual healing Uh, even the roman catholic church says the person is not likely to recover necessarily from a disease or from a sickness but we're going to anoint him and he's going to be spiritually have any kind of uh, venial sin washed away so that he uh, really can go to to paradise or to heaven after his death Um, so it's going to they're going to take the um elder of James and and kind of transmute that into a priest. They're going to transmute healing from whatever this sickness is to mean a spiritual Mm -hmm. removal of venial sin and proceed along that path.
0: Yeah. Make sure, Um, assuming you're going to die and God doesn't mm -hmm. heal you here physically. Are you ready? Are Uh, you ready? Which we're not going to crack open, uh, apocryphal things, and we're not going to start talking about that. But but that that's what they were doing and saying, okay, that's correct. let's make mm-hmm. sure you're spiritually healthy because if you're going to die here soon, you got to be ready. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So that's the Catholic one. I think that's pretty easy to understand. Uh, But then there's not we don't have one, but two. We have three Protestant interpretations. So let's let's go down (laughs) that road now.
1: Well, that's not a surprise to us because Protestants uh, really want to get back into a text and look at it really carefully and find good biblical explanations for what's going on. So a number of Protestants look at this text and say, well, it did apply during James's day. Why? Because there were apostles on the scene. There were active uh, people with spiritual gifts of healing. God was uh, giving miraculous gifts in that era. And therefore, maybe James only was supposed to apply in the first century. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe he was for the church then. And really, it's not that it doesn't work for us, but rather God didn't intend for it in our generation uh, until Jesus Christ returns again and, and heals us from all of our sicknesses and diseases Um it, it's just not supposed to apply in the present.
0: So that would go along uh, for people that know the phrase cessationist or cessationism. Yes, where you go, yes. OK, mm-hmm. there's some things that are going on that you read in the book of Acts and the New Testament that you're like, wow. Uh, then you got two camps here. You have cessationists that said, yeah, that was just the beginning of the early church. Supernatural things were happening. Uh, mm-hmm. c- gets it all kicked off. That's really effective. But that, that expires, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And then today mm-hmm. we don't really see that. And then you have the other camp, that's the Pentecostal camp, the charismatic camp. they like, no, 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 you fools. That didn't, that didn't stop. That still exists today. So that's, right. that's this first one kind of takes you down the road of cessationism, right. which again is not our point today, but it's, it's helpful to know that.
1: Okay. So the second group of Protestants look at this and say, we think that the, the healing is supposed to apply in every age, but we need to qualify it. And that is incredibly sensitive to scripture. And by the way, the bulk of the commentators are gonna land right here. Yes, James applies in every age because he doesn't give any indication internally to his book that this was an acts like miraculous event that was only uh, for a very limited duration. Moreover, everything else in the book of James is very wisdom oriented. And you've spent so much time with with, uh, Sam over the last few weeks going through James and like it is just as practical and applicable today as it ever was. Um, So they have to qualify it. What does that qualification look like? Well, we know that God doesn't directly answer all of our requests. He is not a genie in a bottle to Christians. Prayer is not a mechanism to bend God to our will. It's a mechanism for us to express our hope and confidence in him. And therefore, maybe the prayer of faith means the belief that God will do whatever he wills to do. And and there we, in some sense, and I don't mean to, to treat this cavalierly, but it's, we're like, we have an out, we have an explanation right, for right, why right. it doesn't seem to work, because most of the time God does not will to heal us from our, uh, our owies, our, our broken yeah, bones, our yeah. diseases, and even up all the way to the point of death.
0: Yeah, because of course, uh, you got to think the practical implications of that. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you want, how good is it for the kingdom? How good is it for your growth as a christian if god's a helicopter parent or a lawnmower parent and he's out there just plowing everything for you so that you have no bumps would you grow would the kingdom grow uh you have to think about that as well so that's two protestant ones we've got one more to go we're talking to dr brian ham this is steve noble on theology thursday we'll be right back Welcome back It's Steve Noble the Steve Noble Show Theology Thursday with our friends at BJU Seminary The Prayer of Faith Steve I love the Lord I have faith I prayed it didn't happen Well obviously you don't have as much faith as you think you do and now you start getting into the prosperity gospel and all that mess which is satanic to the core and uh you know you, there's plenty of people out there well if you have enough faith you just need to name it and claim it baby and you plead the blood of Jesus, and if it doesn't happen, you obviously didn't have enough faith. you got to be really careful with that stuff. That's really bad hermeneutics. It's just bad teaching, which means it's satanic at some level. And, and so as we work through James chapter 5 and, and the prayer of faith, when you have to understand this, and, and is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil, which we'll talk about. In the name of the Lord and the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. Okay, that sounds like a money-back guarantee to me. Uh, but it doesn't always work that way. So, Brian, again, thank you for your time today. And we're working through, talked about the one Catholic one, which was really dealing with your spiritual health, assuming you're going to die. Venial sins, are you ready to face the Lord uh, in your current condition, or do you need to clean house maybe a little bit before you go? That takes you into Catholic theology. And then three Protestant interpretations. The first one really kind of dealt with what we call cessationism, which is, well, that that kind of miraculous healing was just for the early church. It had a shelf life, and now that's expired. That was number one. Then number two, yeah, I mean, because James is very practical. It applies at every age, still does today. But, and we know that because James is practical, right? So it's not like all of a sudden a part of the book of James is not practical, but it doesn't always apply in every single request. God's not sitting there waiting for you to push a certain button and he gives you a a certain answer. Uh, And then there's a third interpretation in the Protestant tradition, Brian, which is what?
1: Uh, The third option I ran into a number of years ago in the process exactly of this study, going through this passage, getting ready actually to teach it in Sunday school class. There you go. And uh, in the process of investigating it, I found that a lot of the phrasing used by James already had been current to describe spiritual or emotional weakness, or in, in the context of James as a whole, we would say, James is all about tests of faith. Mm-hmm. How do you know that your faith is real? And again, you've been over this the last few weeks with with Sam. He's done a, a great job addressing uh, this test of faith. And it's not a person that says he has faith and doesn't have works. That kind of faith can't save a person and so on. So how, what is real faith look like? And James is going to raise right at the end of this book, the fact that we have crises of faith. Mm-hmm. Every one of us faces, we're true believers. We really genuinely believe in God, but there are times in life where life is so hard, where wickedness is so powerful around us, where difficulties rise and, and they're overwhelming us to the point that now we find ourselves spiritually innervated or weak. Yeah. We're, we would say we're, we're discouraged, but it's more than just emotional discouragement. It's actually a weakening of our faith. hmm
0: yeah, and I think and- that one. I've talked to we, Sam and I talked about this, and mm-hmm. you know we were talking about difficult circumstances, tra- challenges, trials that are have nothing to do with you. It just befell you. Okay, yeah. you, you weren't looking for it. There's other ones that that we create. I created it. I'm paying a price for my sin. Yada yada. It can be very difficult. Uh, and and I'm, I'm always cautious not to leave that out because God is so gracious. He's like, <laughs> we do the same thing with our kids. It's like, okay, something bad happened at work. Something happened at school. It happened to you. Okay, we're going to minister to you anyway. Uh, but sometimes the bad stuff that happened is because of what they did. It's decisions you made. It's sin you chose. And okay, now you're suffering. That doesn't eliminate grace. It doesn't right. eliminate mercy. It doesn't eliminate praying to the Lord, because you, you pray to the Lord, you confess, you repent, you're broken. And then how that all gets dealt with in mm-hmm. the end, you you gotta again, I said this earlier, Brian, that you, you gotta that's you push that across the table and mm-hmm. you leave that in the Lord's hands. And whether he delivers you from the mess you created in a year or ten years, or maybe never, not until you die and you're in heaven. Uh that's again, that that's a test of faith, isn't it?
1: I think it is. Uh, and That's an ugly
0: one. That's an. Yeah, we an don't ugly. like to talk about that stuff, but that happens. And, and, I think we
1: can all go. Yeah, I've been there, done that. And yet, we get an immense amount of hope for. I'm interpreting James this way, it, along these lines. God does not promise to deliver us from the suffering. Right. But if what we are dealing with is a is a discouragement or depression of our faith itself, mm-hmm. a weakness of faith. Yep. God does promise to yeah. reach out to His own. Every single time mm-hmm. if they seek him. So you say, I'm, I'm physically sick. Does God actually promise to heal me? Uh, not until eternity. Yeah. But when I approach the Lord and I say, I am, I am depressed. I'm hurting spiritually. Yeah. My faith is on a knife's edge yeah. and really yeah. wavering. Yeah. Yep. God doesn't cast us to the curb mm-hmm. or kick us to the curb. He, he actually says, there is a process that I have designed to take you when you're in that hurt condition and lift you up. And I think that's here in this passage. Yeah.
0: And 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 if anybody ever said uh, God doesn't heal people anymore, I'd be like, uh, okay, so you just right, you just said, sorry, Lord, you're not. <laughs> yeah, and we're done with that's, that. That's now. what
1: we, of course. You know, there's a logical fallacy that says, you know, if if the passage doesn't mean healing the sick then God doesn't heal the sick. And you're like, no, 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 no. If the passage (laughs) is directed at healing those who are spiritually bowed down, then it's the rest of scripture that fill out our theology of prayer about sickness, which is that the Lord always wants you to come. Uh, He just doesn't promise healing uh, for physical sickness. That's right, right. That's such a great point. Okay, we've mentioned this several times. So
0: is one of our charges in, at the end of the show that we're going to encourage everybody to go out and buy a bunch of olive oil because that's really, that's yeah. really what's going to solve the problem. So how do we deal with that? Because you <laughs> see this a lot. I mean, I have friends, yeah. Brian, uh, some with the Lord, some are still here, that th- they carry a little vial of oil mm-hmm. with them mm-hmm. and they meet sick people, whatever. They, they, mm-hmm. Out comes that bad boy. And I'm like, are yeah. you making some pasta? No, I'm, I'm, I'm following James's admonition here and mm-hmm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to anoint people with oil. So what's the deal with that?
1: Well, first of all, I would not discourage people if if they believe they are obeying Scripture mm-hmm. by doing this. Don't stop. Yeah. Okay. Amen. Always, always obey God. But oil itself was used for a variety of purposes in the ancient world. One was medicine. They didn't have uh, antibiotics. They didn't have other things. So you're going to use oil to mollify, that is to soften wounds that are getting uh, hardened or something like that. It's all, often used for ceremonial or sacramental anointing specifically of kings and of priests. So we'll anoint kings and priests as we appoint them to office. And third, and this is actually the big one, for cosmetic or social function. Hmm. You know, uh, we live in the southeast here, right? So what's our humidity? Like 3,000%? <laughs> uh, Not don't today, have to thank worry. goodness, but normally. Yeah, we don't have to worry about uh, using oil, except during the winter, right? right? When we go inside in the winter and we have our gas furnaces going full blast because we, we don't like the cold, right. we're down yeah. here in the south. The skin starts drying out mm. and some of you are probably like me you're getting out the hand lotion putting it all over the right. place yep that's what oil did in the ancient world it's a it's a social custom convention so if somebody comes in from outside he's been walking on the dusty streets of of uh, israel in that era judah um, samaria galilee he, he comes into your house and you're going to take care of him nur- nourish him in some way you're going to provide uh, oil basically to make make sure his skin is soft and is not dried out by the weather which means that if we come into a, a circumstance like this, it, this fits very nicely with the spiritual weakness phenomenon because when a person is discouraged or their faith is low, they need brothers and sisters in Christ to care for them socially. Mm-hmm. And that's what, I mean, it's huge application here in James then. When my faith is weak, instead of being this maverick mm-hmm. American individualist, I, I can hack it on my own. Yeah, All exactly, right. I got this, I can do it on my own. God actually says, that's the time to call for spiritual people to come alongside you socially to gird you up. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I say, you know, the, the spiritual application here is take the guy out to Texas Roadhouse, right? right. Get right. him out of his funk yeah. that he's in when he's discouraged and spiritually low, um, interact with him socially and spiritually and um, and pray over him.
0: Yeah, I I love that. And I always... When when I've had these friends over the years that will bring out the oil, it it does add an element mm-hmm. that otherwise sure. is not there, mm-hmm. because I think if you know the scriptures at all, you're like, okay, uh, that's like, I can use uh, I can use a a little firecracker, or I can grab an M80 uh, if you're <laughs> if you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm yeah, talking no, about. Sorry, it, yes. Okay, so, and and because there, that is in scripture, I think there is there's some fruit there. And just following mm-hmm. what we what we see in scripture, just kind of following that pattern. Uh, and it does add a level of intensity to that moment that I've experienced myself and, and I've I've been anointed before with mm-hmm. oil and, and you're like, uh eh, this is a little odd, I'm a Southern Baptist. Uh but but yet there it is in the scriptures. So if I can find it in the scriptures, I'm not gonna write it. Yeah. Off. I'm not gonna yes. write it off just because right. maybe we're uncomfortable with it.
1: Uh-huh. And yet what what the I think a large part of what these um friends are doing for you is if they have this kind of sober-mindedness to say, you know what, you need something in your life that's not there. We are going to surround you. We're going to come mm-hmm. up to you. We are going to take care of you in this difficult circumstance. Yeah. What does that do to your spirit? Yeah, oh man. What does it do to your faith? Um, I experienced this most, actually, uh, with COVID. I, I still have long COVID. Oh, you Three do. years in. Yes. Oh, my goodness. And, uh, All right. Hold that thought. We're yeah, up against sure. a break.
0: So okay. I want to talk to you about that Uh, because I want to use that, obviously, as an example of what we're talking about. Uh, This is Steve Noble. It's the Steve Noble Show talking to Dr. Brian Han. We're talking about when your prayers for healing don't work, right out of James chapter 5. Such an important topic. That's why we got to get in the Word, stay in the Word, and understand the Word. Then it all gets much easier. We'll be right back.
1: I woke up this morning, and
0: I heard the news. I know the pain. Of a Boom, there you go. You know the pain of a heartbreak. And sometimes that heartbreak comes as a result of what appears to be an unanswered prayer. And you reference James 5, and you're like, hey, listen, I, I, I called for the elders. We we prayed over my friend, my wife, my son, my daughter. We anointed them with the oil. And we're definitely people of faith. The prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. And, and they, they didn't get healed. And they went to be with the Lord, hopefully. And so that's why this uh, topic today on Theology Thursday with Dr. Brian Hand is so important as we've worked through uh, what does the scripture actually teach here? How do we apply this to understanding the real meaning behind this? Uh, One interesting thing, and again, Brian, thanks for being here. In verse 17, all of a sudden, uh, out of the blue, Elijah shows up. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, he's back. Okay, here we
1: go. (laughs) So what's the deal? Why is Elijah in here? Yeah. That's a fun one because people hardly know what to do with it. You read commentators and they're going, well, I guess James is kind of his, his train has jumped the, jumped the tracks. He's, right. <laughs> he's leaped to a totally different topic. And I really think he, uh, he's, he's giving us a classic illustration of exactly the interpretation that we've been talking about. And that is he's addressing the spiritual weakness or discouragement that comes into all of our lives. You see, if he was dealing with healing, it'd be very natural to grab Elijah, lift him up. And say, see, Elijah healed people. Elijah and Elisha both raised mm-hmm. people from the dead. So yeah. that's classic. classic. Call for the prophet. He comes in. He anoints the child. The child's raised from the dead. Yay. We go about our business. God doesn't do that. God points to the circumstance of the rain, no rain that Elijah's praying for. And then that on the back end of Jezebel threatens Elijah's life. Elijah runs mm-hmm. in fear for his life 40 days. 40 days. He goes all the way down from way up in the northern kingdom, all the way down to Mount Sinai, which, uh, regardless of your view, it's somewhere either down on the Sinai Peninsula or even over into Saudi Arabia. So he's gone a long way. And God comes to him and he's like, Elijah, what, you know, he looks at him, and he finds him there. And Elijah is discouraged. Elijah says, you know, I'm no better than my father's. Uh, I haven't accomplished anything. This is not successful. I'm the only one left. And they're trying to kill me, too. And and God does several things with it. First of all, he nourishes them, which is exactly, I think, back to the social, the interaction of your friends. They're coming alongside you, anointing with oil Mm is social grace, bringing you out of discouragement by ministering to you. And God says, eat, eat, sleep, eat, sleep. He does this repeatedly. Then he, he does contradict, God contradicts whatever's going wrong in Elijah's thought process. Elijah, you're actually not alone. I have 7,000 who have not bowed the knee to Baal. So don't don't you over-assert something regarding your circumstances that's actually bringing you even lower than you ought to be yeah. because you're not expressing reality. So God heals him in that way, and he encourages Elijah, puts him back into ministry. So that's why we would put Elijah in the, the whole rain, no rain, and the whole nexus of the discouragement episode that he faces into a passage like this. It's It's not about physical sickness it's about our spiritual weakness to put it if i could capture it god is less concerned in the in this exact age that we're going through right now he's less concerned with healing the physical effects of the curse than with healing the spiritual Mm -hmm. effects of the curse on each of our hearts that's right
0: yeah because one is temporal Mm -hmm. and one is eternal
1: and He'll heal the rest men, later. Right, that's He's right. He's going to get there. It's appointed
0: for men to, to die once and face the judgment. And right. uh, and so that that's unavoidable for all of us. And I know it's painful, but that's why you, you follow Paul, for example, and he gets to the point yes. in life where, hey, to live is Christ and die is gain. Mm-hmm. I'd,
1: I'd rather be out of here. And, and Paul's a good example of this as well, because you go, wait a minute, didn't Paul have some kind of malady, mm-hmm. a thorn in the flesh, yep. a messenger of Satan to buffet him? And what did he do? He prayed. Three times, three times, and God said, "Come on, Lord, my faith is sufficient. You,
0: my strength is sufficient for you. My, my strength right. is made perfect in your weakness, Paul." That's right. There's a huge benefit mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. So if you want to do it your way, <laughs> it's it's not going to go as well. Right. You do it God's way, even though it's painful. Uh, it is the thing that, that's really fascinating to me about Elijah, which is uh, in my with my sense of humor, uh, I've always seen it this way, at least for years. I'm like, this is on the heels of Mount Carmel. Yes. Where he just won the gladiatorial games and then some. And then all of a sudden some chick threatens him "Ah, and off he goes. Now, the one thing when Elijah gets there after those 40 days, uh, I have a friend that that I've heard him preach on this passage. And when when God is like, you know, Elijah, what are you doing here? He he did it in in different emphases. He's like, Elijah, Mm -hmm. what are you doing here? Elijah, what are you doing here? Like, come on, come on. And then Elijah, what are you doing here? (laughs) Like, but, but I'd love that. Thank you for explaining it that way because God meets him where he's at and he comforts Mm -hmm. him and he helps him in his physical weakness and then his spiritual weakness. And then, and that's, God pulls you up out of the dirt and he wipes the dirt off your rear end. That's right. And he's like, okay, back into the game. Mm -hmm. I love you back into. the game. You'll get him, tiger.
1: And that's what he, he, what he always promises to do. He, He promises that when it is relating to our spiritual Survival. He will intervene on Mm -hmm. our behalf if we have enough faith to trust the mechanism that he's ordained. And that's the mechanism of James. I'm going to call for other spiritual people in who literally are going to pray for me in a time where I can no longer pray for myself. I'm so discouraged. I don't have it in me. I don't know what to pray for. And I'm so discouraged. I shrug my shoulders and go, God's not going to hear me anyway. Well, I have enough faith to say, well, as I look at your word, you tell me. Yeah. it's exactly times like this to get other people involved, mm-hmm.
0: and, and that's the type of faith that will will begin to help you elevate out of your circumstance. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and then, and then you're. We're not talking about happiness here. We're talking about joy. That's right. And and that's a totally different environment, which is why this is so important. So when we do, just a, we have about four minutes left, Brian. So when we do, when we are praying for mm-hmm. physical healing, uh, physical sickness, not. Weak and spiritual state, discouragement, things like that. Uh, just give us some some encouragement on how we should approach that, both in terms of how we pray, and then how we look at it spiritually, and and just kind of pass that over to the Lord.
1: Well, the rest of Scripture is full of of elements of compassion, um, elements of genuine faith in the sovereignty of God, that He is wise and He is good. Those are put together. So that our prayers for sick people at our church, your church, yeah. um, brothers and sisters, friends, extended family, our prayers are no less real, no no less vibrant, no less detailed, and no less earnest yeah. than than were this passage about sickness. But we come to the Lord with the recognition that he in fact will heal. The healing just is gonna come uh, 100% healing for every single instance of all true believers in eternity. And only in some rare select cases, will he look at us like he did with Hezekiah. He Mm -hmm. didn't heal some of the other Kings, but he did choose Hezekiah and say, okay, in this case, I'm going to work. So yes, approach the Lord. Mm -hmm. We approach him with everything in life, um, and confidence and hope, but it's not a confidence in, in my prayer or in my will to compel God's will. It's a confidence in the goodness of and, and power of God.
0: Yeah. So do we do, and, and again, this, I, we could do a whole show on this, which we're not yeah. <laughs> not going yeah. to. So do we, do we have to, we should be a little concerned, uh, to say the least when there's kind of a name it and claim and approach. Yes. As if God, owes absolutely. You. Because it says in the old Testament, it says over here, the prayer of faith, if you do this, you will be healed by his stripes. You are healed. Da-da-da-da-da. And I understand the desire for that to be an ironclad deal. Uh, but, but even in scripture, it isn't. Mm-hmm. It's correct. And, th- and that's a, and my point is that's a pretty dangerous place to go, which I know yes. is going to be offensive to some people, but it is right. I mean, that, that's,
1: I think yes, it's it is again, every, every, all we're talking 2000 years of church history. We've recognized that if that's the interpretation, it's false. God did not tell us the truth, yeah. but God did tell us the truth. And therefore we have to understand this in light of the rest of scripture.
0: Yeah, such such a great point. Uh, about a minute and a half, uh, Brian. Just switch gears real quick, and, and thank you. It's been an awesome conversation. Uh, tell us a little bit about your work there at the seminary. You got about a, um, about oh, two right. minutes.
1: Uh, the Lord has allowed me to grow up associated with Bob Jones. My parents moved down from Indiana when I was about five years old, so <laughs> I'm K five through the PhD here, and I love it. Uh, the rest of my siblings are scattered across the country. I teach New Testament classes, uh, everything from a lot of Greek classes, uh, Bible Bible interpretation, so biblical hermeneutics. Everybody has to have me at least once yeah. in seminary, <laughs> and then uh, a lot of the technical New Testament doctoral classes, but I love it. The, the Lord just continues to prosper us, and His ministry is good. Yeah,
0: that's so cool. When when did you uh, kind of figure out that this was your
1: lane? A teacher of mine asked me to be a Greek GA, because I'd studied some of it undergrad, and I, I wasn't really interested, but he said those fateful words at least pray about it. <laughs> and I started praying about it. I'm like, okay, I'll be a, a graduate assistant who teaches the lowest level Greek classes for them. And as soon as I got into it, I, I just was like, Lord, I was made to teach. Wow. This is my calling. Yeah. I love it.
0: Isn't that so they cool? Have to
1: pay me, I always say they have to pay me to grade papers, but I'll teach for free. Yeah,
0: I'm right there with you, bro. I've got 235 <laughs> students uh, every week. So I, 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 I feel the exact same way. I'm like, this never feels like work four letter word work yeah. uh except when i'm grading and then i'm That's like exactly okay right. <laughs> <laughs> all right now it feels like toil but other than mm-hmm. that when i'm standing in a classroom uh teaching various subjects that that just feels like god let me run into the playground and i'm i get to play with all this stuff right. which is cool uh which is really awesome so uh coming up uh, in the end we'll hear the outro music here in a second uh but thanks brian for uh leading this conversation, and it's been really helpful, I'm sure, for everybody. By Thanks. the way, everybody, uh, I do have a little bit more of an in-depth at, uh, paper that Brian wrote that I have. I'd be happy to send it to you by email. So if you email me at steve at the steve at com, I'll send this to you. The Prayer of Faith Will Save the Sick. Revisiting the Interpretive Difficulty in James five thirteen through 18, which is what we've been doing today, Uh, This will help you go a little bit deeper. A lot of passage references in here so you can dig through it. Can't hardly get it all done in a one-hour show. But email me and I'll be happy to send it to you. Steve at com. Again, I'll be on location at Montreat College tomorrow. Please pray for our event tonight. And uh, Brian, thanks so much again for your time. Hold on just a second. We'll pray with you. Mm -hmm. This is Steve Noble on The Steve Noble Show. God willing, I'll talk to you again real soon. And like my dad always used to say, ever forward.